Today is Wednesday, the 26th of July, 2017. Thank you for stopping by. So I wanted to update you on the Labrador from last night. Unfortunately, but um, perhaps unsurprisingly, he passed away in the early hours of the morning. I'm not going to talk about the medicine side of the case because this isn't really the podcast for that. But I did just want to make some comments in general about you know, the care he received and the context in which he received it. Now, this dog was very sick and, you know, probably in the kind of top 5-10% of how sick a dog you might be presented with. And, you know, this notion that um, all vets go to vet school, therefore they come out and they're all equally as good as each other at dealing with emergency patients that are as sick as this dog is, in essence, a complete nonsense. Um... But to some degree, it has been the sort of narrative that's been propagated for many, many, many years. And in more recent times, obviously, in the sector, people have started to specialize more, not just in, you know, species, but also within species as well. And so I think there is growing recognition about differential levels of care. And the other thing, of course, we have to remember is that at the end of the day, the majority of veterinary health care is private and has to be funded by the pet carers and that how that always has to come into it as well having said that though to some extent i do think you know there's an element of geography and postcode um in terms of the care that you know you would receive for your pet for the same amount of money depending on who you saw and where they were based and the reason for mentioning all of this is not for a second to say that um that dog last night didn't get good care i think he got the best care he could in the environment in which he was in and I'm also not suggesting that the outcome would have been any different had he been somewhere else. I, I honestly don't, you know, don't believe that it would be. Um, but it did just make me wonder because, you know, these guys are faced with this dog that's very sick and it's the kind of dog that others will spend years, you know, training to become as adept as, po adept as possible at managing and have a lot of kit and equipment in order to facilitate that. Um, you know, it's just one of those, I guess, regrettable but unavoidable realities, really. And to some extent, I'm sure the same applies to human healthcare, but probably not within the same country, maybe on a kind of global international scale. The other thing about this dog situation is that I think that practice is still one where the vet will probably have worked the day before, is then on call, and maybe is expected to work the next day. I think the nurse was there overnight and expected to be awake, but then has the day off. And ultimately what that meant was that, you know, in the early hours of the morning when this dog crashed, the nurse was basically on her own with him. Um, and it wasn't a very great experience for her, obviously. And, you know, I could sit here and say, well, had I been that vet, I would not have gone home because the dog was so sick. But then I remember my first job, you know, it was same setup. I was on call and expected to work the next day, having worked the day before. And it is obviously very, very tiring. Um, it's not safe. Um you you know your judgments are, are impaired and so on so you know it's not as it's no my, by no means meant to be a criticism it's just a a discussion of you know the realities um of that circumstance but anyway um so let's let's move on from from that dog um i didn't get much time to talk about jeff the toilet man yesterday and i'm not going to go to you know to that in any detail but really the, the kind of learning points or the interesting things I found from the experience yesterday was that on more than one occasion, it was clear that Jeff was very concerned about 
not about giving great customer service and solving my my pain points and problems just because, but rather because he didn't want to have a callback that would then count as a black mark against his name. He wanted me to give him a good review. It seemed to me, Emily was a fairly young chap, it seemed to me that he was quite um, concerned about you know, this sort of external validation that not having a callback and getting a good review would, would provide. Um, and obviously I don't know the context of his job and the culture within his company and what those sort of, you know, influencing factors are on him. But I was musing yesterday about the whole kind of area of external versus internal validation and motivation and pride in what you do and not being conditioned to seek sort of validation from external sources, but just having your own personal ethos and standard. But so many, I'm going to leave it at that. Um, so take chances, be compassionate, live in a beautiful state, and I'll catch you tomorrow. So I already finished the segment for today, but um, I was just sitting here and thinking I really wanted to just share uh, something else with you. Um, so the last few days really um, have been really kind of interesting for me and really, really useful learning. Um, as I think I've mentioned in previous segments, we are closing in on um, securing a site for the, the Ralph, which is this new um, referral center that I'm founding. And I've talked before about negotiations as well, and, and you know how that's been quite an interesting experience, getting involved in those. The, um, the last sort of 10 days, really, I guess, and especially this week, there's been a lot of negotiations around the sites with terms going back and forth between both parties and so on. And what's been interesting and great learning for me is that, um, you know, it's an area that I'm extremely unfamiliar with and not I've not been involved in any kind of commercial site negotiations before in my life. And so whilst we all clearly have a certain level of intelligence and a certain level of thought and can have a view on many things, there are so many details and nuances that... Um, you know, that, that I'm not familiar with. And I mentioned in a previous episode that we're working with a really good agent and, you know, he's um, he's kind of all over it, if you like. But what, what my learnings are from this are this kind of balance between um, experience and intellect, I guess, really. And it's not just experience and intellect. There are other things that go into here um, in terms of personality, uh, ethos, those kinds of things. Um, you know, but the bottom line is that there is clearly a huge place for experience in many areas of life. And, you know, I think we would be naive to think that you could do something as well as somebody that has had a lot of experience at that thing. Having said that, of course, bad experience done over and over again <laughs> is is not a good thing. And so just because somebody has a lot of experience, you can't just automatically assume that they're going to be better at something than you are. The question is, who are they and what is their caliber and what is the level of work that they do? Um, you know, because that clearly has to be part of it. And so in my context, our agent is a very intelligent guy. He's clearly had a huge amount of experience at this and you know, I am happy to take a step back and to trust him to be doing what needs to be done in the best interests of us, his clients. Um, and again, that makes me mention another fact of this, which is, you know, 
you have to have that trust as well, right? You could have someone that's very experienced and very intelligent, but you don't trust them to be, you know, be looking to safeguard your best interests. And if that's the case, then again, the whole structure is flawed, uh, in my opinion, from the outset. So there are a number of these elements that go into this kind of situation. Person has to be of so low intelligence, they have to have a lot of experience, they have to have the right kind of ethos and philosophy, but you also have to trust them to be looking after your best interests. And I think you put that into the mix and then you can feel comfortable taking a step back and allowing somebody else to lead on something that is so fundamentally important whilst you continue to you know, review what is being discussed and make sure that you're happy with it. You can't completely delegate responsibility for the whole thing, but also to learn from the experience and put it in your memory bank such that next time round you'll be, you know, that much further ahead. Um, but one of the other things I did also want to flag in this whole discussion around experience is the tendency that some people have to make assumptions and their assumptions are based on past experience. But of course, we know that they do not always turn out to be the case. And I think one has to be aware enough to sort of say, okay, well, I've got a memory bank of experiences. And on the basis of those, the balance of probability is that I think this is what the outcome is going to be of, of a particular discussion. But to always leave the door open for the fact that, you know, that might not be correct. And one of the things, one of the things that um, does concern me a little bit, I guess, is, you know, people that want to jump to conclusions based on assumptions from past experience that I don't think are necessarily appropriate to a particular circumstance. So, I think that's something else that has to go into into that mix. And there is that saying about um, assuming, I think it's um, you assume you make an ass out of you and me. Anyway, um, I just wanted to share that with you. So I'm going to round off this segment as well and I will catch you tomorrow. Bye bye.